Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on Easter Sunday, March 31st, 2013. Today's message is Resurrection Faith by Pastor Ryan Cochran, based on 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 22. The choir will be singing I Believe in a Hill called Mount Calvary and Redeemer. You may be seated. May the Lord be with you. Amen. The resurrection of Christ changes everything. If it did not happen, if it did not happen, then the death of Jesus on the cross was very simply a very tragic end to a good and wise man. And Good Friday that we remembered a couple of days ago wasn't good at all. But if it did happen, if Jesus actually rose from the dead as he said that he would, then it changes everything. The death of Jesus on Friday is no longer a tragic end to a good man's life. Instead, the resurrection reveals that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who died to be our Savior. Amen? Easter showed that Friday was Good Friday. Our scripture today from 1 Corinthians 15 is Paul's argument for why the resurrection is the most important fact of our faith. In this chapter, Paul makes clear how important the resurrection is to our faith. Paul says that if the resurrection of Christ didn't happen, then all of us who are gathered here today who claim Christ as Savior, if the resurrection didn't happen, then we are to be pitied more than anyone else. If the resurrection of Christ did not happen, we're wasting our time here this morning. If the resurrection of Christ didn't happen, then you and I are on the bad end of the worst hoax in history. Paul's words are clear and strong in this chapter. The resurrection of Christ is the most important event of our faith and the most important event in the history of the world. The resurrection of Christ changes everything. But what does the resurrection mean? Why is it so important? What happened in the world? when Jesus rose from the dead. Here at Ebenezer, and I think at other evangelical churches like ours, I think most of us have a pretty good understanding in our mind about what the cross is all about, what God accomplished through Jesus on the cross. So many of our hymns and our praise songs remind us of what the cross is and teaches us what the cross is all about. I I think we have a pretty good understanding of what the cross is and what it accomplished for us. We understand that Christ's work on the cross saved us, that because of the cross we can be forgiven and made right with God. But I'm not sure that we have the same deep understanding of what was accomplished by Jesus' resurrection. Of course we believe in the resurrection. We are here today to proclaim it. But what happened? 
What about the resurrection makes salvation possible? I want to say today that the resurrection is more than this fantastic miracle that God did 2,000 years ago in Christ. The resurrection is part of God's saving work in our lives. And the power of it, which began 2,000 years ago, is effective and is still with us today. There are many things that can be said about the resurrection and what it does for us and what it accomplishes for us in our salvation. But there's two things that I want to say today about the resurrection. The first is that the resurrection of Christ made it possible for us to experience resurrection. It's the first thing that I want to say about the resurrection today, that the resurrection of Christ makes it possible for each of us to experience resurrection ourselves. And the second thing that I'm going to say today is that the resurrection of Christ established the kingdom of God on the earth. The resurrection of Christ established the kingdom of God on the earth. Those are the two things about the resurrection that I'm going to say today, that it made possible for us to experience our own resurrection and that it established the kingdom of God on the earth. And then what I'm going to do is I want us to take a look at the example of the earliest disciples and to see how they understood these two truths so well and how it changed everything for them. The resurrection of Christ is the promise, is the promise of our own resurrection. In verses 21 through 23 of chapter 15, Paul describes the resurrection of Christ as the first fruit of what is to come. The first fruit of what is to come. Verse, verse 21, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. At the very beginning in the garden, Adam disobeyed God, and when he did, this brought death into the world, both physical death and spiritual death. In Paul's letters, Jesus is sometimes described as the second Adam. The second Adam. And what Paul is communicating by this idea is that Adam is the, the first man and that all of us come from him as our common ancestor, that each of us are affected by his sin and disobedience. Each of us are affected by the death that his act of disobedience brought into the world. All of us will share in Adam's death. But Jesus brought something new. Paul says that all of us who belong to Jesus, that is, all of those who know Jesus by faith, not only will share in Adam's death, which we will, but we also share in Christ's life. For Paul, because of the resurrection, our eternal life is just as sure as our physical death. All of us are going to die. We all know that. We all know the reality of our death. And what Paul is saying to us is we can be just as sure of our eternal life because of the resurrection of Christ. As in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And Paul uses this image of a farmer's first fruits. The resurrection of Jesus is the first fruits 
of our own resurrection. When a farmer begins to see his harvest growing and the first fruits begin to appear, those first fruits are a sign to him that there is more to come. When Paul says that the resurrection of Christ is the first fruit of what is to come, what he is saying is that there are more resurrections to come. His was not the first and only. It was the first of many. There is a whole harvest of resurrection coming. Jesus was raised with a new body. Paul says this is the first fruit of a great harvest of resurrection that is to come. Unless Christ returns beforehand, all of us in this room today are going to share in Adam's death. All of us will die a physical death. We will all be placed into the ground. We will all turn to dust. But the resurrection of Christ is the hope that we will not remain there, but that we will join him in his resurrection life. So, what does Jesus' resurrection accomplish for us? What does the resurrection have to do with our salvation? The resurrection brought a whole new reality in the world. Death is not the only sure thing in our life. Benjamin Franklin, one of the founding fathers of the United States, says that there are only two things that are certain in life, death and taxes. Right, even you Canadians know that. That's great. Paul is a much wiser man. He says that there are two things that are sure in our life, death and resurrection. Amen? What did the resurrection accomplish? What does the resurrection have to do with our salvation? Jesus' resurrection conquered death. Jesus' resurrection makes it possible for us to one day be resurrected ourselves and to live forever with new resurrected bodies. That's the first thing that the resurrection accomplishes for us. The second thing is that Jesus' resurrection also established the kingdom of God on the earth. Let's look at verses 24 through 26 of this passage. I'll actually begin in 23. But each in his own turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. And then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God, kingdom to God, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of a whole new world where our greatest enemies, sin and death, are defeated in Christ. In the rest of history, from the moment of Christ's resurrection, has been about God acting in the world to reverse the effects of sin and death. How many of you in here have read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Okay, quite a few of you. Um, the rest of you need to raise your hand by this time next year. Uh, it's a wonderful, it's a kid's book. Um, it's a wonderful story. And in uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan is a lion, and he is the Christ figure. And in the very first book of the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the white witch, who is the enemy, is uh, kind of the, the picture of Satan. 
in these stories. She kills Aslan when he sacrifices himself for a wrong that Edmund had done. And so he goes and he lays on the stone table and the white witch kills him there. But we know, because this is a story of Christ, that Aslan is resurrected. And the story in the Chronicles of Narnia paints a beautiful picture of the way that Aslan brings about his kingdom in Narnia. The white witch has cast a spell so that all of Narnia uh, is covered with snow. It is winter forever in Narnia. But once Aslan is resurrected from the dead, the winter breaks and spring begins to come. And Aslan begins to go uh, from, to all of these people and to begin to blow his breath on them and they become alive. Aslan and Susan and Lucy, they go to the White Witch's castle and there are uh, all these stone statues of animals and giants and dryads and nymphs that the White Witch had turned to stone and Aslan breathes on them and they turn to life. They become alive again. And there's this beautiful picture over the course of about 10 pages where Aslan is going all over Narnia, breathing his life back into the place. Jesus conquered both sin and death on Good Friday and Easter. And by doing so, he began the kingdom on earth that would not know sin and death. And this is the kingdom that he invites us to be a part of. He invites us to be baptized into him so that our lives will no longer be marked by sin and death, but so that we would come alive and our lives would be characterized by righteousness and life. As believers, we are the community of the resurrection. We are the ones who have been given the breath of life through the resurrection. We are made alive by Christ in order to live, no longer as slaves to sin, but as slaves to righteousness. In Christ, we were made more than conquerors of death, so that death no longer needs to be feared in our life. Our world is marred by sin and death. This present age is characterized by sin and death. Jesus, in his resurrection, has inaugurated, has begun the kingdom of God which will be a new world that knows nothing of sin and death. And for the last 2,000 years, Christ has been breathing life, his resurrected life, in the world through his church. And so we are invited to join and to be a part of this kingdom right now. We are a community of the resurrection. We will be a, a part of this harvest of a great resurrection in which Jesus was the first fruits. And because of our faith in the way that we live now, our lives are to be characterized by the power of this resurrection. We see in the stories of the earliest church that the event of the resurrection changed the lives of the disciples. It changed the whole character of their lives. This morning we've said two things about the resurrection. First, that it made it possible for us to experience our own resurrection. And secondly, that the resurrection of Christ established the kingdom of God on the earth, and we are invited now to live in it. The earliest disciples understood these two truths, and it changed the character of their lives. 
as the earliest disciples began to understand the meaning of the resurrection in their lives, they began to live in boldness as they began to understand more and more what the resurrection meant. Jesus' life inspired the disciples to do amazing things. As they followed him around uh, the area of Galilee, uh, it inspired them to act boldly, to do amazing things, to go on mission with Christ. But it wasn't enough. After the death of Christ, where are the disciples? They are scattered and scared. After the crucifixion, the disciples locked themselves up in a room and were scared for their lives. Jesus' death was only a tragedy for them, not only because they lost their friend and their teacher, but because now they were afraid for their own lives. They were afraid that the religious leaders would be coming after them and that they might be the next ones on the cross. But after the resurrection, after they encounter the risen Christ, they are without fear. We see Peter boldly in the middle of Jerusalem proclaiming the gospel. Peter and John standing boldly before the religious leaders, the same people that they once hid from in fear for their lives, they now stand in front of them boldly proclaiming Christ. Death was no longer something to fear. Jesus' resurrection was the promise of their own resurrection. They didn't need to fear death anymore. The first followers of Christ came out of their hiding, and they boldly proclaimed that the one who died on the cross is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Their physical lives are no longer to be protected and guarded, but are given up for the sake of Christ because they know that their own resurrection is coming. In the book of Acts, we have the story of the first martyr named Stephen, who also stands before these religious leaders, the same men who showed how willing they were to crucify Christ. He stands in front of them and he rebukes them for rejecting Christ and the prophets. And these religious leaders do the same thing to Stephen that they did to Jesus. They take him out and they kill him. Stephen is a man who does not fear death. A man who recognizes that his resurrection is sure and that nothing can happen to him that will not ultimately be for his benefit. And Stephen was just the first of dozens of these eyewitnesses of the resurrection who died because of what they claimed to see with their own eyes. The first thing that we see about the disciples and the way that they responded to the resurrection is that they knew that it promised their own resurrection and that death was nothing to be feared. In some ways, it was to be welcomed. The second thing that we've said today about the resurrection is is that it was the beginning of the kingdom of God on the earth. And we see that because of their confidence in the resurrection, The disciples no longer feared death. And we also see that the whole character of their lives and the whole character of their community is completely different after the resurrection. They now live lives according to the values of the kingdom of God. Their way of life changed. 
They recognize that because of the resurrection, that God has started a new world, and they need to live their lives according to the values of this new world. And so in the book of Acts, we see them sharing and being sure that justice is done in their community. They were, they knew, the community of the resurrection. Their lives had to reflect the kingdom of God that had come because of the resurrection. In the description of the church in Acts 2 and 4, it's clear that these disciples were concerned that the needs of all of those in the Christian community were met. That if anyone had physical need, they joined together and shared so that each one had their needs met. They no longer saw their earthly goods as having any permanent value, but they saw that their ultimate value was now in this new community of people who have been changed by the resurrection. These earliest followers had their whole world turned upside down, and they began to live in such a way that made no sense to the world around them. But because of the resurrection, because Jesus had inaugurated, had begun this new kingdom, they knew that they were to join into it and to live according to the values of that kingdom. I want to suggest to you today that the example of the earliest disciples should speak to each of us today. There are only two kinds of people in here today when it comes to the resurrection. There are those who believe in it and place their hope in it. And there are people who do not believe in it. Those are our two possibilities. To those of you who are here today who may not believe in the resurrection, I want you to encourage you to think about the example of the disciples. It is historically undeniable that at least some of these disciples, some of these eyewitnesses died because of their confession that they saw Jesus after his resurrection. They died for this. Now it's true that many people in the world every single day die for things that they believe in. Some people die for their faith. Some people die for their country. There are many people who will die for something that they believe in with their hearts. But the disciples are dying, not because of something that they simply believe in, but because of something that they say that they saw with their own eyes. I don't know of anyone who would be willing to die for something that they knew, in fact, was a lie. For those of us who do not believe in the resurrection, this is what you must say about these disciples. The earliest disciples claimed that they saw Jesus after his death with their own eyes, and almost all of them were put to death because of this claim. Blaise Pascal, a great theologian in history, said, I believe those witnesses who get their throats cut. In other words, if someone says they saw something, if they were a witness to something and they were willing to die for that thing that they say that they saw, their witness, their testimony has real truth and validity to it. For those who do not believe in the resurrection of Christ, the example of the earliest disciples, I think is something that you must consider. For those of us who do believe in the resurrection, the examples of the disciples is for us as well. Because we see in their lives that the resurrection completely changed the way 
that they lived, changed the whole character of their own lives and in the life of their community. Has the resurrection of Christ had the same impact on us? We have heard Paul say to us today that the resurrection continues to have power and meaning today for us as it is the promise of our own resurrection. And also, that it is the reminder to us that Christ has established his kingdom on earth and we are invited to live a part of it. We need to remember today, as we look to their example, that we no longer need to fear death. Not only do we not need to fear it, but maybe like the disciples, we need to be open to welcoming our own death. To eagerly anticipate, because we know that to be depart is to be with Christ. As believers in the resurrection, we need to ask whether we are living lives in such a way that reflects that we know that the kingdom of God is here, that it has been established with Christ's resurrection. Are we pursuing lives of holiness and righteousness? Are we living as slaves to righteousness rather than slaves to sin? In our church community, have we committed ourselves fully to our brothers and sisters? We want to be sure that those among us are without need, to make sure that their needs are met. For those of us who confess that the resurrection happened, we are the community of the resurrection. We are the ones who've had the power of the resurrection breathed into our lives. We are called to be a people who live according to the values of the kingdom that Christ has established. This morning, we are going to share in communion together. It's important for us to take communion on Easter Sunday. Often when we receive communion, we receive it in memory really only of Christ's death. We receive it as if we have gone to a funeral. And it's true that our communion meal is a remembrance of Jesus' death. But we take communion also, and especially today on Easter Sunday, to remind us that it was because of the joy that was set before Christ that he endured the cross in the first place. Communion reminds us not only that Jesus died 2,000 years ago, that as we take the symbols of his body and blood, we are reminded that he is present with us right now. Communion reminds us that Jesus, the one who rose on Easter morning, is still alive and among us. And as we take the bread and the cup, we are taking his life into ours. And as we do that together, we remind ourselves that we together are the community of the resurrection. We are the community of of the resurrection. We are those who are confident that the resurrection accomplished our salvation, that we do not need to fear death, and that we are invited to live in his kingdom now. Would you stand with me as we pray? After I pray, I'm going to invite us to sing the doxology. Praise God to from whom all blessings flow. Let me pray. Our God in heaven, we are, we are amazed at what you have done in the resurrection. 
that you have defeated death. That because of the resurrection, we do not need to fear death. Or because of the resurrection, we are invited now and are given the power to live according to the values of your kingdom in our lives. So Lord, we pray for each of us today that the truth and power of the resurrection would be real for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen.